You're listening to the audio program, Host and Guest, hosted by me, Rick Katchke. Now here's myself, Rick Katchke. Yes, welcome to this edition of Host and Guest. I'm your host, Rick Katchke, and on today's program, I'm joined by Zach Carlson. I actually met Zach a number of years ago in 2007. I flew down to Austin to go to the Alamo Draft House for a screening with Joe Dante, And there was a luncheon before the screening, and I I got to meet Joe, as well as Zach, who I didn't know of before that afternoon, but thought he was a really great person, really loved some of his opinions and his thoughts on film. He's a programmer at the Alamo Drafthouse. He does Terror Tuesdays there. Also has written for Badass Digest. He wrote a book called Destroy All Movies. And he is currently also working with Drafthouse Films, as they have an upcoming release called Miami Connection. I spoke with Zach after a screening of Miami Connection at the Music Box Theater in Chicago. All right, uh, welcome to this edition of Host and Guest. Uh, Today I'm joined by Zach Carlson. Zach, thank you for being on the program. Oh, it's my pleasure. (laughs) Now, uh, Zach, you're one of the lead programmers at the... uh, Alamo Drafthouse. Uh, tell us how you got that role in, in that position with the <laughs> fabulous theater. Uh, I've been doing film programming for several years, mostly lowbrow stuff. I did an all-night horror marathon with my best friend Brian, uh, and then I'd gone on to be a programmer at a nonprofit theater in Seattle. That's like the smallest and oldest theater in Seattle. Like it's about as big as a bathtub. Like there's like 70 seats in the whole entire theater, and uh, that was where I, I was working when I met the people from the Alamo. They'd um, decided to do the first Rolling Roadshow tour, which is a tour that they used to do annually where they would travel America and play movies where they were initially filmed. So you'd see Planet of the Apes on the wall of the canyon where the spaceship mm-hmm. crashes in the opening. Or um, they played Escape from Alcatraz on Alcatraz, and the audience got to sleep over in the prison cells. And so this was going to be the first tour of that type that they were going to do, and I was so excited when I heard about it that I talked to my friends who worked there, and I said, I'll go on that, I'll work for free, I just want to be, you know, see these movies yeah. and be part of that experience with the audience, you know, and, and I'll help them set up. So I went on that tour, and apparently I was the only person on the tour that didn't drive everybody crazy by getting grumpy or tired or angry. But I was just so excited that I was all smiles and empty head. And uh, so at the end of it, they said, "If you ever want to move to Austin, we'll make a job for you." Just because I was like the only person who didn't <laughs> get pouty. Um, and I worked really hard, and I guess that helped. Uh, so I came in to the job, and I was just start initially doing the weekly horror movie series of Terror Tuesday. And then my good friend Kayla, uh, who was the lead program at the time, got deported to Canada by the FBI. <laughs> so I sadly ascended into a full-time programming role due to that. Uh, and Lars Nilsson and I are now the, I guess, senior or lead programmers for the theater. Now, uh, the Almo does a number of unique screenings, as you mentioned, the Rolling Road Show. For you, what has been your favorite or, or weirdest screening that, that's taken place? Well, that's a great question that no one has ever asked me before. Uh, I already Nailed mentioned it. the Escape from Alcatraz one because it was just, I couldn't believe that the government allowed everyone to sleep over in an individual prison cell on Alcatraz Island, and it is cold as Christ in there. Like, it was really <laughs> freezing cold. Like, <laughs> but it was worth it. It was great. Uh, and then some of our crew ended up getting drunk on Alcatraz and almost getting kicked off the island at 3 a.m., <laughs> which is surrounded by sharks. So hopefully they would put us in a boat. <laughs> but anyway, that all worked out. Uh, and then the most unlikely screening uh, was probably when we were celebrating Troll 2 
uh, we did a screening at in the town of Nilbog, which is not a real city in Utah, mm-hmm. but it's just like a small town out there called Morgan, Utah. And for whatever reason, uh, Tim, my boss, who usually has a good financial head on his shoulders, allowed us to do a three-day Troll 2 festival where we kind of took over this tiny city in Utah and just did like every possible Troll 2 related event and like, brought out the entire cast and the director from Italy and it was just a like, complete financial suicide like total <laughs> death bomb and uh, but fans showed up and it was great and even though it didn't make money it was a really memorable and incredible screening and everybody that was there that was a fan of Troll 2 like was all emotional and it was kind of wonderful now uh, you mentioned earlier your friend Brian uh, you and Brian uh, edited a book called Destroy All Movies uh, yeah what was the the premise of it is it's a collection of every movie that features a punk in it even for like one second in the <laughs> background what was the uh, inspiration for this book well it's funny we uh brian has never been a punk person he when I, when I went to high school i was definitely excited about punk music and i go down to hollywood to buy punk records and i was like really trying to be that guy and fit into the you know punk idea yeah uh this is in the 80s because i'm older than hell and uh Brian was a really uptight, bookish, nerdy high school guy who was afraid of breaking any rules. And But we've been best friends for 15 years. And we watched the movie, the 1983 Penelope Spheres movie called Suburbia. No relation to the Parker Posey 90s mm-hmm. bullshit by Richard Linklater. And uh, am I allowed to say words like bullshit? Oh, yeah. Okay. Go for it. Heck darn. <laughs> uh, so anyway, we watched the 80s movie Suburbia, which is my all-time favorite movie, and then a week later we saw the film Joysticks, which is the opposite of Penelope Spheres' of Suburbia, in which her film is masterfully made drama about homeless punk kids, and Joysticks is basically like a rubber chicken in the form of a new wave <laughs> comedy. It's just like total like type movie. And uh, one of the main villain characters, more or less, is a new wave punk rock maniac called King Vidiot. And even though he was the furthest thing from a real punk, it was so goddamn entertaining. And he's just so ridiculous, and he's just, like, like practically, like, bleeding out of every hole in his body and, like, slamming his face against walls. And it's just, like, this completely manic comedic performance. And I just said, I said, like, I love this real punk movie, and I love this, like, dumbass fake punk movie. These movies are great. And I remembered as a kid when I would see a punk character on a sitcom or in a movie or something, I would just think, and Brian had the same experience, we would think, these are not human beings. Like, how are people allowed to act like this? And because you are seven years old and impressionable, you figure that those punks that you see at Denny's or in the mall, like, really do go home and, like, you know, eat bottles and, like, you know, put dogs in their butts or whatever they're doing in these movies. (laughs) And I believed it. So I remember as a kid, like, punks and movies were so exciting to me. And, uh, And I thought, what stereotype was more mishandled and more completely ludicrous and kind of like damagingly (laughs) entertaining than punks and they also gave us the opportunity to write about the 80s a lot because that's where Hollywood really latched on to the false new wave and punk aesthetic and did it really poorly and that was the movie those are the movies that you know that was like the era of films that we were most excited about our entire lives and still are so it was sort of an excuse to write about VHS stuff, write about 80s stuff, and then really celebrate these completely maligned, poorly represented people. Has anybody up, come up to you afterwards and say, oh, you missed this movie or you missed that yeah, movie? Yeah, that happened a lot. <laughs> what, what often happens is somebody says, I can't believe you guys missed, you know, 
like party party and then I'm like but it's in the book and I'm like no it's not and then I look and it's in the book so apparently the alphabet has fallen out of favor with most people because <laughs> it's totally A to Z alphabetical but sadly there are of course some movies like especially stuff in the late 90s that you wouldn't expect like a horrible romantic thriller from 1998 called like Seduction of Deceit and somebody will send us an email and be like I was watching it last night for my personal reasons and you know, there's like a punk in the background of a gas station at you know, the, one min- the one minute 12 second mark and so we're actually keeping a list of movies that we've missed so you know 150 years from now when we do the updated edition of the book <laughs> we can also add those however we're never going to go past the year 1999 because the 2000s brought us such horrible things as punk porn, thanks to <laughs> Suicide Girls and all that garbage. So sure. we want to keep it true to the 20th century. Now, uh, every week on the show, we always ask for some recommendations. So first of all, an album recommendation. Could be a favorite, could be something recent. Would you prefer that it tie in with the book? Or that, that would be, be pretty impressive record? if it did. Okay, well, uh, one album recommendation that I wish existed was there's a great punk 80s boner comedy called Surf 2 and they have this incredible new wave soundtrack and at the end of the credits of the movie it says soundtrack to be released on Capitol Records and cassettes and uh, <laughs> it never came out because the movie was a horrendous failure so if somebody can make that soundtrack come into existence they would be my heroes and as far as a real record that I love uh, God what's the greatest punk soundtrack shucks I really I'm going to flounder on this. But I think the most underappreciated punk record, I would say, is the first Void LP, which is it's still, it is appreciated. No, let's say, I changed my mind. Dekreutzen, self-titled LP, which is one of the early hardcore records. Okay. Touch and Go, out of Chicago, where we are standing right now for this interview. Uh, Dekreutzen is a band that flubbed it so fast that by their second record, they kind of sounded like they were they'd fallen out of the cure's armpit or something like they're not a fun band to listen to in my opinion but their first record is one of the great punk slash hardcore lps ever and it doesn't get enough respect because of them sullying their own name and then uh this one might be a little trickier based on your knowledge but a film recommendation uh like again that ties into the book doesn't have to tie into the book just in general gosh that's a that's a great movie all right uh because andy griffith just died I would like to seriously try to compel people who are listening to check out the movie A Face in the Crowd, which is this <laughs> completely non-80s, non-punk, you know, <laughs> not anything. It's like a respected drama by Aaliyah Kazan. But it's uh, the great Andy Griffith as a self-destructive alcoholic rock and roll maniac. So basically a precursor to what the stereotypes of punks were. But this is a movie that came out decades before. And uh, it's Andy Griffith, who everyone thinks of as that nice, friendly dude from Mayberry. You know, Sheriff Andy. And he's just a complete monster. And he's just, like, self-loathing. And he destroys everyone he comes in contact with. And he's sort of, like, almost, you know, kind of like the clean-cut American rock and roll version of what would later become, like, you know, I would hate to say something like a Sid Vicious or something. But he's just, like, a total trash bag musician. And when I watched that movie, I said, if they made this in the 80s, he would have been punk. But because this movie was made, you know, 28 years earlier, they have him just kind of like this good time rock and roll person. But the movie's unbelievable. And there's a love triangle uh, that involves both Andy Griffith and Walter Matthau fighting for the love of a woman. <laughs> so if that doesn't sound good to you, then get out of my house. <laughs> Anything else coming up, Zach, that you'd like to recommend? Uh, in Personally the world? Or, or that you're doing? Any events that you've got? I, 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 I'm the worst self-promoter ever, but... Uh, 
the one good thing that's coming up soon uh, is a movie that we just watched uh, here in this theater. It's called Miami Connection, and it's kind of this like sort of lost and lonesome and you know maligned uh, '80s martial arts ninja cocaine biker action movie. Uh, and we've been very fortunate to team up with the one of the filmmakers, and there's going to be a proper release of this film on DVD. And it really is. Hopefully, you can attest to this. One yes. of the most sweet and innocently entertaining and insane action movies of the 80s. So, And I also encourage everybody to just watch movies that they like and don't judge movies. We talk about this a lot. But if don't look at a movie as a guilty pleasure or don't look down at a movie. Like If a movie entertains you at all, then it's good. It's not a shitty movie. It's not a bad movie. And, like this, and it's been really great meeting people here on this trip and in Chicago who share that opinion. Like, a bad movie is just a movie that doesn't entertain. To me, like, Avatar would be a bad movie, and, you know, Police Academy 6 is a good movie. Because when I watch Police Academy 6, I feel strong. <laughs> so just, like, totally indulge in your interests and, and really deeply allow yourself to enjoy movies that you like. Well, Zach, thanks so much for being on Host and Guest. Thank you. Thank you to Zach for joining me on the program. If you ever happen to make it down to Austin, Texas, I can't recommend the Alamo Draft House enough. Um, one of those rare experiences where it really changed my life the day that I was down there in Austin and spent some time with Tim League, Zach, and Joe Dante. Like I said, a truly memorable time. I don't know if I'd be doing this podcast if not for the day that I spent there. Also, be sure to check out Zach's book, Destroy All Movies. If you love films, it's an essential film reference guide, uh, something really fun to have on your bookshelf. And also be sure to check out Miami Connection when it is released to more theaters later in the fall. I believe it's also coming out on DVD later this year. Uh, an essential group party film, I think. Our theme song is done by Tiny Folk. You can check out his music on the internet. Just search for Tiny Folk, T-I-N-Y-F-O-L-K. I've been your host, Rick Katchke, and this has been another edition of the podcast that I host called Host and Guest. Sand, 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 sand,